Hello and welcome to the last edition of this series of the Powers Court Friday Fix podcast. I'm Russell Lynch, I'm a director at Powers Court. I'm joined by my sparring partner and Powers Court's head of public affairs, Mark Leffley. We're talking Tory leadership, Rishi versus Liz. Mark, what do you make of it? Well, it's interesting we got down to this final two. I don't think many people would have predicted it a couple of weeks ago, when only a couple of weeks ago when this all started. Seems so like a lifetime ago. It, it does. Um, it's extraordinary. You know, Suella Braverman was the one who kicked this off, um, saying she was going to run for leadership the day before uh, Boris Johnson actually resigned, which is an interesting uh, idea of uh, cabinet collective responsibility. But yeah, I don't think we'd have predicted this. I think Penny Morden was a very, very strong favourite to get into the final two. This Trust's campaign team has obviously done a fantastic job getting her there. And Sunak has performed, I think, a lot better than I expected. He's shown himself to be the most polished in the field. But Liz Truss's team has done very well getting the right wing of the party behind her and goes in, I think Bookies are saying it's quite a strong favourite, I'd say, as a mild favourite into into the summer. It's It's a bit bizarre, though, isn't it? I mean, when you've got a Remainer champion of the Tory hard right and a supposedly socialist wet who actually voted for Brexit and was talking about deep tax cuts long before Liz Truss, I think. It's an extraordinary thing. I mean, everything about this is extraordinary. I I love the way that Rishi Sunak's team are campaigning on experience, that he's got the greater level of experience. I mean, Liz Truss was a minister three years before Rishi Sunak even entered Parliament. And that stuck, though. It's, it's actually worked for him. I'm not sure if Liz Truss is one of these, but it's certainly true that a lot of instinctive Brexiteers in 2016 regret going along with George Osborne in particular and David Cameron when at the last minute they decided, yes, we will vote for Remain because Brexit's maybe a little bit too difficult. And if you look at loads of them, if you look at loads of the websites of um, Conservative MPs at that time, uh, they all say the same thing. It's about 200, 300 words saying EU is a terrible institution. Last paragraph. Yeah. Uh, but actually, on this occasion, we probably want to remain and fight for what's best for our priorities and all that kind of thing. Are uh, we saying shock horror politicians thought about own career? Uh, that, that is that shock horror. But I think we didn't really predict it in such swaves. I mean, the other thing about Sunak is, I mean, he talks about how people tried to persuade him that it wouldn't be good for his career, but he went ahead with it. So I do think he's a, no, I don't agree with him on Brexit, but I think he's a principled politician. I suspect the Trust may be one of those who really was a Brexiteer at heart. Uh, certainly she has embraced it like no other MP. You know, she basically, you know, the Daily Express is a pro- propaganda sheet for her leadership, or it has been for the last couple of years. Um, so I think she's a genuine Brexiteer. I mean, we've got to give her that. She does have a case to answer. I'm sure Sunak will be exploiting throughout the summer, though, when she went on the Today programme uh, today and was talking up her credentials as a conviction politician. <laughs> and the interviewer, Nick Robinson, said well, she does seem to change them at will. At <laughs> Can she really make that one fly with the Tory membership, I wonder? Well, I mean, I I like the way Sunak is going after as a a former Lib Dem. Um, I don't think anyone would really ever connect her with the Lib Dems anymore, even if she did speak to the Lib Dem conference in what was about 95, something like that, 96. Yeah, you're right. I mean, the fundamental point this whole election has been completely spun on its head is is absolutely true. I I think what's been shown about this to an extent is that Brexit is... A lot of them aren't just about Brexit. 
they're about a broader ideology. So a lot of them didn't like Penny Morden because she's socially mm. very liberal, but she's as genuine a Brexiteer as there is out there. So it shows you there's a different type of dividing line. And I always found it quite interesting when you looked at certain publications during the uh, during the 2016 referendum, there was a difference in how certain publications viewed Brexit. Some of them didn't like it as a super... Sorry, viewed the EU. Some of them didn't like it as a supranational organisation. Mm. Others uh, tagged it much more to things like immigration. And there was definitely a tone, and I think there is a degree where there is a certain ideology of Brexit that we haven't appreciated. There's probably two camps within that. Well, it's like these days, it, there's, a, there's almost been a role reversal. You know, when you think about Tories at the start of the decade, the the Notting Hill Tories, if you like, the sort of mm. socially liberal, fiscally conservative, we are we are literally, it's a, it's a complete vault fast on that, isn't it? Well, I mean, their time is, is done. There's only Michael Gove left, really. Um, yeah, and their, and their time is gone. I, you have to remember, well, David Cameron really modelled himself on on uh, Tony Blair, which a lot mm. of the Conservatives didn't like. I mean, it was quite interesting the other day. Nadine Doris um, said how awful it was when Boris Johnson walked out of uh, PMQs. All of the Conservatives stood up and applauded, apart from Theresa May, who <laughs> folded her, uh, her arms. But Labour didn't cheer them on. She was referring specifically to what happened in 2007 when, on his last appearance, Tony Blair said, and that's it, I'm done. Mm. And David Cameron got up, applauded him, and he urged all of his backbenchers up. That was a purely David Cameron thing. That was because David Cameron wanted to be Tony Blair. And that's what they didn't like about him. I don't think it's just a social liberal bit. It was a whole presentation element mm. of it, that sort of almost slightly thicker bit way the Conservative Party were trying to present themselves as some sort of voice of modernity. I think... With trust, Rishi will clearly be going for her on economics, even though he occupies the unpopular ground in the campaign about talking about tax fairy tales, for example. Liz Truss on economics doesn't sound too great. She seems to be comparing uh, the Bank of England to taking a few leaves out of the Bank of Japan, which has been suffering from a deflationary nightmare for the past 30 years. And she was also on today talking about the fact that tax cuts are not inflationary, which is a, shall we say, uh, interesting take on eth- economic orthodoxy. Um, I, do you think Sunak will be exploiting that over the summer? It's interesting because we don't tend to think of Liz Truss uh, as an economics expert or associated with the Treasury, but of course she was uh, Chief Secretary to the Treasury for, what, two years, something like that? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that is perceived as a weakness, that she didn't necessarily make any mark in that role. Um, where she made a real mark was in the Department of International Trade, mm. signing what were frankly rollover deals, but nevertheless she, she did make the most of them. Uh, so yeah, I think To be fair, Mark, one of them added at least 0.01% to the UK's potential GDP. But anyway, I interrupt. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think they, obviously Sunak is going to play to his strengths, which um, have you like all Lover's economics, I think most people think he knows what he's talking about. There's that kind of degree of, I mentioned Michael Gove earlier, people who don't like Michael Gove, they tend to respect him. They know mm. where he, they know that he's got where he's going from, they know he's A to B. Um, and I think that's what would be Sunak's trump card. The key thing here as well is, what we know this, is whether people vote early. The postal ballots will all arrive by the 5th of August, yeah. and they've got to vote until 5pm on the 2nd of September. Now, if this was Boris Johnson versus Jeremy Hunt, then you know that everyone's going to vote straight away because it's going to be people either loving Boris or hating him. 
this is a bit different. Even though Liz Truss is extremely popular and Rishi's not particularly popular at the moment, uh, I don't get the sense that people are quite entrenched in their views. They have got a hell of a lot of hustings coming up. Mm. Uh, down from Exeter in Devon up to Perth in central Scotland, mm. Northern Ireland to Cardiff. And I think a lot of people will vote a little bit later on. And I suspect that plays more into Sunak's hands because he's the more polished performer. Mm. However, you're judged to a slightly lower standard as you're judged as a kind of insurgent. And that's almost how Liz Truss is uh, judged. Mm. Also, she has a lot of hustings to improve her game. And yes. she's all noticeably improved in the last couple of weeks. She's still wooden, but there aren't, there aren't the missteps or anything like that. And she may well improve over the coming weeks. How, th- how important do you think that the hustings are compared to the TV debates? It's interesting, isn't it? Because you're not seeing 160,000 Conservative members, which is mm. the uh, which is the voting base here, uh, are going to turn up to all the hustings. Yeah. But political parties do move into factions. If you mm. get one or two people saying this is the right person to vote for, they can influence another faction. So they'll be important. The TV debates, yeah, it's it's interesting. Again, I think the BBC one will be very important. Obviously, people tune into BBC. Sky News mm. probably less so. Yeah. Um, although I suspect the Sky News one will probably be more interesting debate, mm. just pure viewing numbers. Uh, people will be influenced by what they read. You know, you have, sounds mm. daft, but you have mirror readers who are Tories, just like you have Daily Mail readers who are Labour. So they'll be influenced a little bit of what they'll read in the papers of choice. Mm. What do you think? Well, actually, no, we'll start again. Sit, last, last but not least, $64,000 question. Who's going to win? And who would Labour least like to face? Yeah, I, I'm I'm really undecided on who's going to win this. I accept that Truss is going as a marginal favourite. Uh, but I don't think people are quite as decided as we might think. I suspect she wins. Um, but I wouldn't be shocked if it was him. They would clearly uh, not like to face, uh, face Sunak. Mm. Sunak is more polished. Uh, he, I don't think he beats Keir Starmer at his own game of being forensic, but... There is a similarity of style. Any advantage that Keir Starmer might have in his approach is almost wiped out. Mm. Liz Truss is not a great parliamentary performer, but that's not necessarily a problem. She is a bit Marmite, we know that. Mm. But Marmite characters have done very well in British politics before, Boris Johnson being the obvious example. But I think, yeah, Labour, I mean, I spoke to a Labour frontbencher on Wednesday just after the result, and he was just, he was laughing and just went, no, it's going to be Liz Truss, going to be Liz Truss. That is um, really, really good for Labour. And then he paused and he said, that's not so good for the country. Hmm. Interesting. Well, that, that might be a good place to leave it. Have a good summer. Thank you. Thank you.